0: Hello everyone and welcome here to another episode of the Hens Half Court podcast with the sports crew at The Review. Patrick Laporte here alongside with Joe Edelin and Connor Metz to discuss another week of Delaware men's and women's basketball action. Uh, guys, I like to always ask how are you guys doing today. Connor, I know last week we talked a little bit about how you were planning, preparing to move in. You are officially moved in. How does it feel to be in Newark, Delaware for the first time?
1: Yeah, it feels great um, being around campus getting to go places and stuff, meeting people, so it's been awesome, and I'm glad to be on campus this semester. It's been a little busy and stuff, and classes will start up, but um, we'll get through it. And Joe, I, I saw you on Friday
0: night calling the women's game at home for WVUD. Since since I last saw you, how you been doing today? How you
2: been holding up? Pretty good, you know, ready to get into it, uh, kind of dreading the start of classes and stuff tomorrow, but uh, other than that, good to go. So I know, fun fact about Joe and I,
0: we, are actually, no, we are not in this. I was about to say we're in com three twenty nine. We are not in that class. We are in journalism three Oh eight English three Oh eight. So looking forward to that class slightly. Don't want to, don't want to get too much into that, but anyway, (laughs) so, so, but as, as Connor mentioned and Joe had mentioned, you know, Delaware, we'll start with Delaware women's basketball. You know, they have another weekend where they sweep another team. And unlike these last few, this last few weeks where it was teams that were middle of the pack in the conference to lower in the standings, the team they swept this weekend, was one of, if not the best team heading into the weekend that Delaware has faced so far in the Drexel Dragons. Delaware sweeping the Dragons in a one and one series. They win 68 to 60 the first day and then 66 to 55 on Sunday in Philadelphia. Start with game one real quick. Delaware, really, the storyline with that was Delaware owns the first half, scoring 41 points. They were up 41 to 26 at the half. But then Drexel kind of came back in the third quarter. Delaware shooting poor from the field in the third, shot 20%. And Delaware only scored eight points in that quarter to Drexel's 17. But in the fourth quarter, Delaware was able to hold on, scoring 19 compared to Drexel's 17, and was really able to hang on late. Drexel got some good shooting in the second half from Hannah Hill, who's one of their leading scorers and one of the leading scorers in the conference. But to finish out the day, Delaware finishes – with three players in double figure points wise Ty battle led the way with 18 points at 11 rebounds. Jasmine Dickey, kind of a quiet day, 11 points, nine rebounds, but four assists to go for Jasmine Dickey. And then Lizzie O'Leary producing well for the team, 11 points, nine rebounds Delaware, one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country out rebounds dragons 48 to 36, including getting 20 second chance points on the offensive end. Guys, I guess we'll start here, Friday night at the Bob, Delaware goes 9-0 at home now. What were we seeing? What were we feeling? I know Joe and I, as we talked about, we're at the game, but what do we see from this Delaware team that helped pull out this this second half win, especially against a good Drexel defensive team?
2: Well, you know, I think we were kind of heading into this series new, you know, how important it was, especially based off of the previous three games, losing that game, the, their only game in conference that they've lost so far against Elon, and then kind of struggling against Northeastern the following weekend and those three games, Delaware did not shoot well at all. I think the highest or the best they shot in those three games was like 36% from the field. And, you know, in game one, I know that Drexel started to come back a little bit, but like at half Delaware was shooting like over 50% from the field. And even when Drexel would go on their runs in the second half, the offensive rebounding and just the, the ability to defend and put pressure on every single person on the opposing team's offense and the ability on the offensive side to be able to still impose your will, you know, rebounding the basketball. It doesn't matter who you're playing. You know, when when you're getting a ton of offensive rebounds, it's just a demoralizing thing for the opponent. And Delaware just does that in, it, like, an insane clip. And, you know, they were able to do that on Friday night, and I think that that was, like, their biggest thing to the victory was just their ability to get second-chance points. It was honestly, like, extremely impressive.
1: I thought the key takeaway I took away is – Despite letting Drexel come back in the third quarter, they like really sealed the game at the end. I know they had the big like 12-0 run or something in the second quarter, which gave them the lead and gave them some room for error. And I really thought the end of the game just sealed it good like they have most of the year. And player wise, I would say Lizzie O'Leary was a big part of this win even all weekend. She's up in her game a little, it seems like scoring double digits on Saturday, getting tons of rebounds, especially offensively. So like like you said, Joe, this team is a great offensive rebounding team and I don't really see anyone that can match up with them in that department.
0: This team's offensive rebounding is I mean they're ranked first in the nation for a reason. You know, I think it starts with you got Ty Battle down there and Lizzie O'Leary has shown throughout the season that she can play well on the offensive glass, on the glass as a whole. And I honestly think this is her best overall series, best two games that we've seen her play so far. And she's really contributed to this team offensively over the weekend. I mean, the 11 points goes along with the nine rebounds. And even today gets another nine rebounds and six points. That's, that's, that's what you want to see out of someone who's not going to get you probably they're not, she's not going to score a ton of points every night. I mean, you have a ton of other options in Jasmine Dickey tie battle Ty Skinner, you know, China Latimer is coming on well, Jules Smalls. So you have all these other other options. And if you're Coach Adair and the Delaware offense, defense, just having Lizzie O'Leary on the glass really just, I feel like has helped them out a lot, you know, to kind of solidify, solidify the team. And I remember Coach Adair had said this at the beginning of the year that she hopes that Lizzie is like the team's rock, you know, she's not going to put up the most points, but she's going to really solidify the team and kind of, kind of be that glue for the team as a whole, I mean, in a series where you're playing a team in Drexel, that was one of the best defensive teams in the CAA. I mean, coming into the weekend, they're allowing about 53 points per game. Uh, that was first in the CAA, and they limit teams shooting-wise. I mean, you might not be able to shoot the best, which Delaware did shoot well throughout the weekend, but they're really getting those second-chance points. They had 20 second-chance points on Saturday. That really – or Friday, excuse me. That really seemed to help them out, especially, you know – When in the third quarter, they shot 20% from the field and really allowed Drexel back into the game. To go off of that, though, now on Saturday, as I had said, Delaware defeats Drexel again, 66 to 55. Delaware finishes with a very strong fourth quarter, putting up 24 points while shooting 43% from the field in the fourth quarter. Once again on the glass, the Blue Hens out-rebound Drexel 44 to 31 with another 20 second chance points scored by the Blue Hens on Sunday. And as well as forcing 19 turnovers, Jasmine Dickey finishes with 25 points, 8 rebounds, the typical numbers we, we see out of her, and then tie battle, 12 points, 11 rebounds, another double-double for battle. I think for this game, it starts with the turnovers, and Delaware did a really good job of playing good defense on Drexel, it seemed like, throughout the game. And when you can force 19 turnovers against any team, that's going to lead to success.
2: Yeah, definitely. And one thing that we, in the last few, I guess, two weeks or so we haven't really been used to seeing is Delaware like convincingly winning the turnover battle like they were there was a that stretch of games there they were being really careless with the basketball but we didn't see that this weekend and said it was the other way around where they were putting pressure on Drexel and making them make mistakes you know one thing I noticed just like in this second game and I think this just this series like in terms of just being like kind of like a microcosm of the whole season like you have game one where you're spreading the wealth and Ty Battles going off and and China Latimers get involved and Ty Skinner, they all have big games and Jasmine Dickey only has eleven points you know nine rebounds four assists still a good day but then in game two you know just comes out and it's the classic Jasmine Dickey that we've seen all season so I think you know having the ability to have your you know a star player not have to like carry the load every single night uh, is like beyond valuable for this team and I think. I think that that's just that it right there. Like this, this weekend I feel like was a microcosm of the whole season and and this team is just really deep and just really good. I mean, that's all I can say.
1: Yeah. I agree with you, Joe, um, on what you said about the turnovers. I feel like this entire weekend, I think they had 14 each day, which it's decent. Like they were putting up like 20 turnovers in the past few weekends. So I think that's the biggest thing here is limiting their own turnovers, but still showing that they can, get t- turnovers and turn it into fast break points. And then same tale as Saturday, just out-rebounding Drexel tremendously. I mean, they had nothing for them. Um, the stat sheet shows it. And I think this game, Jasmine Dickey did take over, putting up 28 shots, which is a ton, but she made 11, so it worked out good in the end. So, But I do think the best thing from Sunday's game was the limiting of turnovers.
0: And I think going ahead, you know, in the next two series against James Madison and Towson, who are very good teams as well, you know, you got to limit those turnovers. And against, I think that's even, it's even greater to see that, you know, this team did that against the team in Drexel that plays hard defense. I mean, we saw, I saw throughout game one and game two at times, Drexel was trying to, was full court pressing Delaware in order to kind of slow their offense down a little bit because Delaware likes to run that, that kind of fast pace and transition type offense. And Delaware was able to, you know, control control the ball well and able to really not commit any careless errors or turnovers. And that was just really something that stood out because we had seen in weeks prior where, you know, they try and push it up the court and they, might, and they might not facilitate the offense as much. And instead, they'll either get a bad look or they'll just turn the ball over. And it was just very, I'd say, very impressive from the standpoint of how they moved the ball around throughout the weekend as a whole. I mean, they had nine assists today on Sunday, but what stood out to me as well was they had 14 assists on Friday night. And I felt like that really helped this team, especially when, you know, Drexel would apply that full court press and was really putting pressure on that Delaware offense to try and find good shots. And they were making some great passes. I mean, they had a lot of backdoor cuts to tie battle and Lizzie O'Leary down low throughout the weekend. So, so that stood out to me, was just Delaware's ability, as you guys said, to limit the turnovers and then their ability to facilitate the offense. Well, even when Drexel was applying a lot of pressure on them defensively. But I do want to ask you guys this. I mean, with, I know last week prior to that as well, we had talked a little bit about just how, how this team, what these last three weeks mean for this team, you know, with this sweep against Drexel, did they just solidify themselves as the conference favorite in the
2: CAA heading into March? I think short answer. Yes. I think just based off of how the whole season's gone and, Essentially, I mean, obviously I know they lost to Elon, but like being able to literally beat every single other conference opponent you faced to this point with two series left in the year, I mean, there's not much you can really ask of this team. I mean, coming into the season, like being the preseason sixth overall team in the conference to, I mean, in my opinion, I think being the clear number one team in the conference is like such a, a like leap in, in expectations that we had for this team. But seeing just kind of, everything come together like this is a good basketball team this is not just a you know a fluke run uh, of, of in-conference opponents like this is a good college basketball team and I just think that this past this past weekend was just the perfect series you know you have three huge series coming up including the Drexel series and they came and did exactly what they needed to do to set the tone for the rest of the season.
1: 100% agree I feel like there should be no debate, no matter um, what team you cover, who you were for. I feel like they've done it way more than anyone else because others have had more postponements. I think Towson dropped a game to Northeastern today. James Madison put, didn't play today, but they're 6-4 in conference. So, like, they just sweep Drexel out of the question. They're the favorite over Drexel, Towson, JMU. So, I feel like they're by far the favorite, which will possibly put more pressure on them come – tourney time but I think it's a good thing for this team that they have the confidence to know that they can win the conference tourney and they have the players to do it
0: and I think I think these next two gate next two Sears are still big I mean I agree with you guys that they are the conference favorite as of now they've they have I could see how someone could make a little bit of an argument against that prior to this weekend but you come in and at the time Drexel was behind you at number two in the standings and you come in and sweep them pretty handily I mean, obviously there was that Friday, you know, Friday night, a little bit of a comeback by Drexel and then Delaware, I mean, in the second half today pulled away, but you know, they, they were able to handle their business. And I still think you got two big games against JMU and then two big games at home against Towson coming up. And I guess where that leads me to now is, you know, which, which series are you guys looking forward to seeing more? Would you, are you guys looking forward to see JMU next weekend in Virginia or the Towson series, you know, at home at the Bob to finish off the regular season in a, hopefully about two
2: weeks. I'm going to go with the Towson series, just having it being the last series of this season, like before the tournament and having it being at home. I think for next weekend, I just think that the way that this series against Drexel went with, like, I feel like they just set the perfect tone for this team. I think, you know, we were talking about, you know, Delaware needs to sweep one of these series and, you know, kind of already have that burden off their shoulders and now kind of, have the have the ability to go in and and not have as much pressure on on uh on yourself and in terms of you know your positioning in the conference. I just think you know having that Towson series being the last series at home before the tournament. I think that's got to be the biggest one.
1: I'm gonna go with the JMU series just because I think the road test will be um, very interesting. They haven't really had a road test of a top team two games on the road. Um, I, I think both series are about equal importance, but I'm more interested in the JMU series. JMU's kind of had their schedules been all messed up. They don't really have a groove. Towson does and Towson's good, but I think we don't quite know how good JMU is compared to how good we know all the other teams are. So I think I'm interested for that just because of JMU's weird schedule and Delaware being on the road.
0: And that brings up a good point, Connor, about JMU. I mean, if you think about it, Delaware's only two losses have come on the road. They lose at George Washington back in December, and then they lose a couple of weeks ago at Elon. So that is an interesting thing to watch for in that storyline. I will say, I think for me, at least the series that I want to see more is against Towson considering the fact that, I mean, that's going to be two, a series of, two of the best offenses in the CA going up against one another. I mean, Towson, scores a ton of points per game. They are leading the conference right now in scoring. They're scoring about 86 and a half points per game. So 87 points. Yeah. Kiana Jeter, who I think is the really the only other person that you can make an argument for CAA player of the year, along with Jasmine Dickey. I mean, they're both leading the CAA and scoring Jeter first in the, in the league with 25 points per game. while Jasmine Dickey has 22 and a half. So just under 23. And then as well, I mean, Towson just a good offensive team. They're good at facilitating their offense. I mean, Aaliyah Nelson also leading the conference in assists right now. And then there's a, these are two of the best rebounding teams in the CA. I mean, Delaware, you know, gets about 45 rebounds a game compared to Towson's 42, two of the best defensive and offensive rebounding teams, Delaware first in the nation in offensive rebounding Towson first in the CAA on the defensive end. So, I mean, there's that as well. I just think that, you know, I agree with Connor, you and the fact that you, what you said, I mean, it will be very interesting to see how Delaware can go up against a, a tough road opponent against a team that, you know, has been there, has the experience, has the experience in the coaching staff. At the same time, I'm really looking forward to seeing, covering, doing whatever for that game, those two games in two weeks against Towson because, I mean, that, those I think will be some of the most high-scoring games we've probably seen Delaware score in since St. John's even when they beat St. John's 93-88, to 88. so... So I like, I like that Towson matchup, you know, at home in two weeks, but JMU, I think will also be a very interesting test, you know, for this team as a whole. And speaking of JMU, we'll preview them in a second, but there's one thing I just want to bring up to you guys real quick. I mentioned this to Joe on Friday at halftime during the game, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to, we're going to, I'm just going to say it. We're just going to leave it at that. But right now I was a little interested at looking at the bracketology around the women's team, because I mean, how a lot of these these smaller conferences that they're picked in the bracketology predictions is they just take the top team from the conference and they put them in the in the, in the seed. And right now, according to ESPN's bracketology, at least, Delaware would be, a, if the season ended today and Delaware made it into the NCAA tournament, Delaware would be a 12 seed taking on the five seeded Northwestern. So we don't, we're not going to really talk about that. That was just an interesting little fact I wanted to bring up there and just something to look out for as we move forward, and to keep in mind, considering this team has just been winning a lot. But anyway, so JMU, in terms of their preview, uh, offensively, they're a top-three scoring team in the CAA, averaging 69 and a half points per game, while they're a top-three shooting team as well, shooting 41% from the field and 31% from the three. And they're also decent on the glass. They're top-three in defensive rebounding, 26 rebounds per game, obviously going up against that high-powered Delaware offensive rebounding unit. But the one thing about this team is, their bottom three in terms of points allowed, 70 points per game from the James Madison defense. While they're both about middle of the pack in shooting percentages for opponents, sh- opponents are shooting 40% from the field and 34% from three. And they're fourth in turnovers in the CAA right now, they average 17 and a half per game with the worst turnover margin with a margin of negative 3.2. Players to watch for Kiki Jefferson, a top five score in the CAA, 16.7 rebounds. Peyton McDaniel, 13 points per game and Jemiah Hazel with 10 for the Duke. So as I always ask guys, you know, this series against JMU next weekend, what are we looking for as Delaware goes on a road, road test here, you know, as the season comes to an end?
2: Well, I think I just look at their, their scoring numbers and, you know, both offensively and defensively, like they score a lot of points, but they also give up a lot of points. And I think for this Delaware team being a team that likes to push the pace and, on, on, you know, to the detriment of maybe turn the ball over, you know, like we've seen in the past where they have games where they turn the ball over 20 plus times, regardless, like Delaware likes to play that style of basketball, just pushing the pace. And, you know, if, if JMU wants to get into a shootout with Delaware, I like Delaware's chances in that, especially just given, I mean, just everything we've seen, like being able to, to defend, being able to offensive rebound, uh, you know, get second chance points, put pressure on the other team. I just, I you know I like Delaware's chances if you know becomes a shootout against JMU.
1: I think the two things I'm looking for is to keep the turnovers down like they did this weekend. So get a second straight weekend of a good turnover margin, and then secondly, something we don't talk about much, just the shooting percentage here from all three places from inside, from three, and from the free throw line. I just feel like they are inconsistent, and maybe because they put up so many shots, just because of how their team is how their team is shaped. But I think looking to shoot better is something because if you get an attorney and you get in a tough match, you have to make shots. You can't shoot like 30 percent from the field and like 20 percent from three and like 60 percent from free throw line. That's kind of what they did this weekend a little. And they always rely on the offensive rebound and fast break, which is good. But I think seeing them win more convincingly with a good shooting effort would be something. But um, so that's really what I'm looking for.
0: I look at the, the biggest thing for me is, you know, continue to force turnovers because I think that really helped this team this weekend. And you're going up against the team and James Madison that turns the ball over a decent amount. They turn the ball over fourth most in the CA and they don't force a lot of turnovers based on that turnover margin. So, you know, I look for Delaware to hopefully, you know, try and play aggressive on that defensive end. Jasmine Dickey has been playing well in that column as well in terms of steals. She's top 10 in the CAA right now. So give me, Give me Delaware's defense, you know, holding it down against JMU, a team that they can shoot the basketball well. But, you know, I like how Delaware's defense impressed me, I'd say, more than the offense did this weekend a little bit at times. So give me give me Delaware trying to force a lot of turnovers this weekend in, against JMU because I've, if you can do that, I think you can push the pace well against this team. You can play that offense, that offensive game that you really didn't play a lot of this weekend against Drexel that worked so well for you. And I think this team will be fine. You know, asking for predictions now, I'll just start. I think, you know, if Delaware had gone one and one this weekend, it'd be harder for me to say, you know, they'd sweep JMU next weekend. But I think you have all the confidence in the world coming off a sweep against Drexel, who is right behind you in the standings. So give me 2-0 and for this weekend. I don't see why this team cannot go down to Virginia and take on team and James Madison, who's been there. But I I think right now you have Delaware, who's going to kind of Take that mantle that JMU had last year, and Delaware's going to run with it, and they're going to go 2-0 on the weekend.
2: Yeah, I agree. You know, Delaware had that little three-game slump, if you want to call it. You know, the loss to Elon in the series against Northeastern, that was a little difficult. But, you know, just based off this weekend, they showed me everything that I needed to see to not, you know, not worry about this team. I'm not worried about it. They've given me no reason to not pick them to go 2-0. So, of course, I'm, I'm sticking with it. And give me two and zero against JMU.
1: Yeah, I'm back on the two and zero train too. I know, Joe, you stayed on it even <laughs> after the uh, one and one series. But I'll jump back on from just from this weekend. It, this is a great team. Um, their loss wasn't a fluke, but it's not how they're normally going to play. So uh, two and zero on the road against a good team, I, I think they could do it.
0: Yeah, and we will, we will definitely find out. Those games, as we said, are on the road on Saturday and Sunday, so probably no coverage from Joe, I, and Connor from WVUD, but regardless, we will have an episode of the Hens Half Court podcast next week holding it down for those two games. Flip it over now to the men's side. The men kind of are in this, this stalemate kind of spot right now, I guess is the best way to describe it. They don't have any games this weekend or next weekend due to some COVID problems within the Delaware tier one team. Um, No, obviously we don't know who the person is or who the people are that contracted the virus, but regardless, no games the next two weeks. So Delaware misses out on the one and one against Drexel this weekend, as well as what would have been a matchup against James Madison, you know, next weekend at home at the Bob Carpenter center. And just quickly to look at the men's side of things in the standings right now, we won't take a real big look at it but in a whole James Madison has been playing well as one of the better CAA teams this year. They're currently 8 and 1 in the conference, 13 and 5 overall. If Matt Lewis who is one of the best scorers in the conference by far, he is averaging right now 19 and a half points. So it's first in the CAA. Been playing well and this James Madison team as a whole just playing playing very well. I don't think there's anything really to touch on outside of that. You know, they're one of the better teams in the conference. Delaware already missed a matchup with Northeastern, who's the other, who's the second-best team right now in the CAA standings-wise. But there is no, no timetable on those games being rescheduled. Delaware will be set to play Towson in two weeks in Maryland. So we'll see how that plays out. But some news regarding the men's team that we're going to discuss here. Delaware going to add two players to their roster for next year, one of those being a transfer and one being a verbal commit right now. Wes Peterson start there high school senior currently from Bishop O'Connell high school in Falls Church, Virginia, a six, six guard averaging 16 points as a junior. And he joins a team that, you know, has a lot of these kind of, kind of swing swing type players, I'd say a little bit bigger than, you know, Ryan Allen, Kevin Anderson, even Ebi Asamoah, but still a guy that can put up points for a team, kind of act as that swing guard, you know, swing guard, the forward type player. And then Jameer Nelson jr who is a transfer from George Washington as a freshman last year in 2019 and 20, averaged 10 points per game and through seven games this year before withdrawing after the fall semester, averaged just over eight points per game. He's a 6'1", 190-pound guard who shot 41% from the field and 39%. This year, that 41% came from his freshman year and a fun fact about Nelson. He's the son of NBA veteran Jameer Nelson who played in the league for 14 years. So guys, I, I want to get you guys' thoughts real quick on the first just on these two additions to the team for next year. What you guys think about that
2: and these two signings. Well, I thought I thought you know I had a couple of thoughts about it that were, you know, pretty interesting. First on Wes Peterson. I read this article on Delaware online about his verbal commitment to Delaware. I thought the most interesting part about it was he was getting heavily recruited by uh, a few other CAA uh, teams, as well as a couple other solid college basketball programs like George Mason. And I think the two CAA teams were Northeastern and Towson. Uh, but the main thing that kind of was the biggest takeaway for me from the article was he never even visited Newark. Like he never even came to Delaware to see the campus. So what that tells me is that, you know, coach Inglesby's like, job recruiting is he's he's been able to get guys to buy in without even coming to Delaware so I think that that's important you know you got guys buying in to you know just coach Inglesby's outlook on the whole program and I mean I, I just think that's a good sign for where you know the men's team is heading and then for Jameer Nelson Jr you know I think that's a huge pickup you know a guy that's you know was at GW this this past season and, and is competing in a tough Atlantic 10 I mean you got there's teams in the Atlantic 10 that, that got NBA talent on it. I mean, you guys at VCU and, and St. Louis, Dayton, schools like that, Richmond. So, you know, he's, he's had, you know, tough competition to go up against, but I did not know that his dad is the GM of, or the assistant GM of the Delaware Bluecoats G league team. So I feel like that kind of probably played into his decision a little bit of, of where to go, but either way, I just think those are two really good pickups and I think, could you know really benefit this program like from day one when they step in you know I thought both
1: both signings were great too Um, I read that same article and it's crazy how he just watched videos and went online and did all those tours and stuff virtual but still felt good in his decision so I think uh, the Wes Peterson signing was uh, a really good one for someone in high school and then Jameer Nelson I think that's a great transfer signing Um, he scored in the A10 as a freshman 10 points per game so He can score for us, and I think um, scoring is always a thing that you can't have enough of, really. I mean, and especially with this team, they're not the deepest and they're not the best scoring team. So I feel like their weakness um, is definitely on offense. So I feel like that was a good signing, both guards and both scorers.
0: And I think it'll be interesting to see if, you know, Jameer Nelson will be able to play next year just because of, you know, I know this year we had a lot of the, all these players were able to play this year just because of the the COVID, the pandemic. And, you know, they get that transfer waiver that allows them to play. We see that with Anthony Ochefu and some other guys and especially on the women's team as well. But, you know, I'm interested to see that if he can play, because if I think, if I think, I think that Jameer Nelson, if he can get some time, if he has that ability to play next year, this will help the team out. You know, I don't want to make this comparison because, you know, Nate Darling was a, was just an outstanding player watching him play last year. But Nate Darling was a transfer as well from UAB. Not I would Darling's a little bit bigger than Nelson, but you know, still a, a, a decent shooter there. Didn't get a lot of time at UAB and then comes to Delaware and plays lights out, becomes one of the best scorers in the CAA, and then ultimately goes to the NBA. So so there's there's that there, and that's a little interesting to see, you know, get some get more minutes at Delaware, kind of a smaller school than GW in a smaller conference. I think this is a perfect fit for him and a team that especially with, we don't know if Ryan Allen or Kevin Anderson will be back. I do believe they they will just because of that 50, that extra year of eligibility the NCAA is allowing, but you never know. So if you're Delaware, you can get some more at best, you know, you get some more depth to your bench and some guys that can come in and produce right, right from the get-go and Wes Peterson. I think this team, you know, it's getting small. They're definitely getting smaller. I mean, Dylan Painter there at six ten in the in the mid in the middle he'll be gone soon so you're going to be relying on Andrew Carr really as your biggest guy out there on the court because Anthony O'Chevy's not going to be back next year because he's only got one year of eligibility but I like the West Peterson signing as well you know he kind of reminds me of a bigger version maybe a little bit of Ebby who can score the basketball kind of a longer defender so so I like both of these signings for the future of this team and you know you got Andrew Carr and Marco John Marco Arletti coming in this year you know it's a good little start to a. To a team that soon, sooner rather than later, will be you know Kevin Anderson, Ryan Allen, Dylan Painter—they're all be gone, and you gotta you gotta hand the keys off to someone else. And I think I think they're building the, the groundwork to do that, you know, down the road with Coach Ingles being that squad. So we'll be interesting to see how they how they play out and how all that shapes out. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if they can get anyone else you know to sign for this team.
2: Yeah, I definitely think they probably need to get you know another big down low. You know, we saw kind of last year with Justin Mutz when he was in Delaware and how just having two bigs that you can rely on and and him and Dylan Painter it was just invaluable and we see that Delaware's kind of struggled you know at times down low this year but you know there was that that stretch where like Andrew Carr and Dylan Painter were snapping when we were real banged up with Kevin Anderson and Ryan Allen battling injuries so you know with you know like I agree with guys like Dylan Painter and Kevin Anderson and Ryan Allen, you know, bound and leave here in the next year or so, you got to build for the future. You know, that's just kind of, that's college basketball. And I, I feel like, you know, Coach Inglesby's definitely got the, the right the right pieces in place, you know, for this team to kind of really take off and build, you know, in the next coming years.
1: Yeah, I think getting two good guards with how the CA is, um, lots of small ball from lots of teams is uh, really good. And even aside from positions or stuff, I just think getting two good signings at this point in the year during really different times when signings may not be less likely delayed. I feel like it's, it's a good thing for this team. It shows that, that they can recruit like they have the past years with Inglesby here. So I'm excited to see both Nelson and Peterson on, on the court whenever they may be.
0: And one quick thing too, to finish this off. I mean, we forget too that they got Reggie Gardner coming off, coming back, Logan Curtis coming back from injury. We don't know if they'll either of them will play this year, but they'll be able to play next year for sure, hopefully. And you know, they they'll have a, they'll have a decent backcourt regardless of who's there. So, so they have that foundation to build with as shooters and you can kind of just go from there. Marco, as we talked about earlier as well, there on in that lineup. So it should be interesting to see how this team pans out next year and down the road once once you know we're once we're gone for sure I mean who knows what Delaware will become but but with that in mind you know that's really all we got for this weekend kind of a shorter episode of the Hens Half Court podcast here with the no men's game from the weekend and a quick preview of JMU with no preview of the men's JMU series as well but we will have another episode next week as usual recapping JMU and Delaware's women's basketball as well as previewing hopefully both the men's and women's Towson series for those games those games Delaware the women's team will be at home and men's the men's team will be on the road as usual, you can find all of our episodes of the Hen's half court podcast posted on the new and updated review website it looks very nice I don't know if any of you guys have seen it yet but if you haven't would recommend checking it out so that is udreview.com all one word and then, of course, you can find updates as well as links to our episodes on Twitter, which is at UD Review Twitter or at UD Review on Twitter. That is one word at UD Review. Uh, and then you can find our episodes on major streaming platforms, including Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker and Radio Republic. So for myself, Joe and Connor, we wish you guys a happy first day of classes tomorrow and um, we'll talk to you guys next week.